Lyric Lounge. Hey, welcome to Lyric Lounge, where we talk about and sometimes overanalyze the words to some of your favorite songs. Come on in. I'm your doorman, Dave. Hey, welcome to another episode of Lyric Lounge. I'm Dave and this is Deb. Hey. Deb, when I was a kid, well, a teenager, for some reason it was in style to kind of write all over your notebooks. And so mine was mm-hmm. covered, I, I guess for different people, it was just whatever they were into. For me, it was um, band names. And I was a skater, so my band names were the Dead Kennedys, Dead Milkmen, Black Flag, Exploited, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. You were one of the kids my uh, my parents warned me about. <laughs> and they were right. But so wrong. <laughs> What was that last band you said? The Red Hot Chili Peppers. I remember getting a lot of flack about that specifically. For one, it's so long, it took up a, you know, a large part of the notebook. And uh, it's such mm-hmm. an unusual name. If you think about it without knowing them back in the day, this was probably 1987, I think, is when the Uplift MoFo Party Plan came out. And I had that cassette probably in my back pocket <laughs> all the time. It was a great one. What's a cassette? Yeah, you know what a cassette is? <laughs> so anyway, I got a lot of flack about the Red Hot Chili Peppers in one specific class. I remember a girl giving me such a hard time about how unusual it must have seemed from the outsider's point of view to, for someone to write Red Hot Chili Peppers on their notebook. Like that's something they're into, <laughs> spicy food or something. <laughs> so I just got a lot of flack about that. And it was really hard to defend. Uh, you know, I just kept saying, uh, they're cool. Or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm I'm about to go to Santa Fe on vacation, and um, when you're in Santa Fe, when you drive around, you see red hot chili peppers like strung up to dry, like, and they do wreaths in different um, positions, you know, like hearts and stuff. So when you tell that story, that's what comes to mind. Like, man, that that day forty really likes heart shaped red hot chili pepper, <laughs> you know, wreaths. <laughs> I kind of do like those. So if you see one that you think I might like while you're out there, please grab it. I'll I'll get it for you in your honor. I also Um, really like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of my favorite bands, and I'm glad we're doing talking about them today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are a great band. And, um, you know, 1987, um, you know, they weren't on my radar at all. I grew up in a, in a, you know, tiny little town in Kentucky. And I mean, you did as well. Um, you're a little bit older than me. So, um, you know, they really didn't come onto my radar until, um, 92 ish, 91, 92, um, which is, uh, you know, the album that was released for the song we're doing today, um, which is under the bridge. And, um, you know, you hear those first few notes of under the bridge, anyone Gen X, anyone, you know, our age around there. And it's like, instant nostalgia I mean you feel you you can you know the lyrics to it you know the video I mean you you just can see it in your head and you know I'll talk about that here in a second but um you know it's instant nostalgia you know that was the first time the Chili Peppers I think got a ton of um MTV time and radio airtime. you're right that's probably that is the time and that is the song that brought the Red Hot Chili Peppers to mm-hmm. you know to the the forefront as kind of a household name. Mm-hmm. Um, in certain circles, of course, they were already. In fact, the Uplift Mopar Party Plan album that I was just talking about was their third album. So they'd already been, you know, stomping mm-hmm. around making noise in L.A. in the Hollywood scene for, for a few years. Yeah, something that surprised me about this song is this is actually from their fifth studio album. You know, like I said, I didn't know them, you know, and really until this album. They have such a unique sound, and, and even even today, after so many years, there's been plenty of opportunity for copycatting, but I don't think anybody does it quite mm-hmm. like the Red Hot Chili Peppers do. They had such a unique sound that when you hear it, you know it's something special, but it took a long time, like you said, to catch on. Five albums. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I can hear some groaning from the hardcores on the edge, like, oh, gosh, this song out of all the songs? 
And I understand that to a bit because right. uh, there's uh, there's a backlist of so many just super cool songs. And uh, even the ones yeah. that came after Under the Bridge, there's so many mm-hmm. that most people would consider probably better songs. But this is the one that set mm-hmm. it all up for them. This is the one that brought them to a place where now we can make music like we want to make music mm-hmm. and it'll be listened to. We have an audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's appropriate that we start with the song that, you know, really kind of started them off. I mean, this is, you know, not, well, I was gonna say it's not their most popular. It's not their number one single from this particular album, which was blood sugar, sex magic. And, um, it's actually, you know, the number two single, the number one was give it away. Um, but this is the one that really got the airtime. Yeah, this is this is the one I remember. Like, I mean, cemented into my brain. Yeah, this is the one that crossed the barriers of uh, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. music genres in, in, in a weird way and kind mm-hmm. of brought them together, uh, uh, people who love music in different areas. But there, you're right, there were, mm-hmm. there were many hit singles on this one album. Um, it might be a good time to mention that, you know, the reason why we picked this song, because you're right, I probably wouldn't have picked Under the Bridge, maybe because it's so cemented into my brain it's like no not the song again i actually really like it but um it has a great message but um we picked the song um well we didn't pick it at all we were going to do this podcast with our friend mitch and um unfortunately due to some um some unforeseen you know issues you know arising that you know he wasn't able to join us so um you know we decided to go ahead and do this in his honor um mainly just to get it out of our heads <laughs> yep. we've been <laughs> and so it's been playing around our house for you know two weeks now yeah there's been a lot to think about thanks mitch and uh when when you're back at it and back in the studio we'll uh we'll do pepper from the butthole surfers which was the i thought another good choice from mitch I don't mind the sun sometimes when it shows. I can taste you on my lips and smell you in my clothes. What else can you tell us about the Under the Bridge and the time that it came out? You said it was 1992? Okay, so this song is the 11th um, track on their Blood Sugar Sex Magic album. Um, it was... Uh, this album was, like I said before, their fifth studio album, and it was actually released on September 24th, 1991. Um, the first single was Give It Away, and I mean, it did it did well, um, but Under the Bridge, I'm having trouble this morning, um, It that was released as a single on March 2nd, 1992, and um, I guess that's probably around that time is when, you know, it, it started getting noticed, you know. Um, for me anyway. I think part of the uh, the general overall appeal of this particular song is it starts out, like you said, with that, that guitar track and it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then he comes in with a message that everyone can relate to, although it could easily be misunderstood as well. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the lyrics or are we doing facts? We're doing right facts. Now? I was just filling in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're You're so excited <laughs> to get going on this. This was their second single, and they didn't know, you know, after um, Give It Away was getting a lot of of traction, they didn't know what the second single was going to be. So they had a concert, and, um, you know, some guys from Warner Brothers, some execs, were sent out and like, hey, you need to decide what the second single is going to be. John um, Fushanti, he started playing the guitar, and, um, and Anthony Kiedis went completely blank. Um, you know, he just could not remember the words. I mean, we've all like if you've, if you've spent time on the stage, you know that there's those moments where you're just like, "What's my name?" I, you, you can't remember anything. So um, he was having one of those moments, and um, but the audience, you know, they kicked in for him and they started singing um, this song under the bridge. You know, it had been out for a few months at that point, and um, but their audience, you know, had grown so much, and this song was so loved that um, the audience was able to fill in for Anthony Kiedis until he could get his, um, his feet on the, you know, on the ground and get his, you know, figure out what was going on. And, um, and that's when the, you know, the record execs knew this is our second single. You know, if it's that popular already that, 
you know, people, you know, you have that moment in the concert where, you know, everyone's just kind of joining together to help, you know, the, the singer out. That's our second song. And um, which is kind of miraculous because this song was never meant to be recorded. He never wrote it as a song. It was a poem. And um, producer Rick Rubin, um, he would just stop by Anthony Kiedis's house um, or his apartment and, um, you know, just to check on the progress. And he just happened to, um, you know, he's kind of wandering around and opened up a journal and saw this as a poem that, um, that Anthony had written. And I was like, hey, this you need to record this. This is amazing stuff. And, um, you know, and Anthony Kiedis was like, no, I think it's it's too personal. It's not on brand with, you know, the Chili Peppers and this is just not who we are. And, you know, it's, it's deeply personal. It's very emotional, but, um, you know, Rick Rubin kept encouraging him. And, um, so Anthony Key displayed this for Chad Smith and Flea, and they immediately, um, went over to their instruments and started composing the music to this. And, um, something I found kind of cool was, um, John Fushanti wrote, because it's so, so deep and so emotional and, and about such heavy stuff, he wrote the chords a little bit happier, you know, so it wouldn't be such a melancholy song, you know, after all, they're not the cure, <laughs> but you know, some more just general facts about this song. It was um, recorded at the mansion, which was a, um, a mansion in Laurel Canyon owned by Rick Rubin. And, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of really um, famous things recorded there. And, uh, you know, from around the same time, November rain by guns and roses. That was another huge huge song around that time that was getting tons of airplay it was recorded at the same music studio um it is four minutes and 24 seconds long um and something we like to talk about is um in each of our episodes is how many times it was played live and um this song was played 600 and has been played 640 times um live beat only by um give it away um Something, you know, about this song, because of the, the subject matter, it was, um, you know, it was, he didn't, he got to, Anthony Kiedis got to a point where he's like, I just really don't want to play this song anymore. He kind of got over it. And um, oh, I've got a nice quote here. I can imagine while you're looking for that quote from what you, what you've told us so far, I mean, first it was never intended to be a song. Uh, and then he had that kind of uh, minor miniature meltdown there at the beginning during that concert it's mm -hmm. pretty easy to see uh you know to put those two together and see why that is and understanding the background of the timeline when this song came in i think will really get some introspection to the lyrics mm -hmm. yeah for sure this is you know just a direct quote from wikipedia it says at times Kita's um, has always resented singing the song, especially during instances when he felt distance from the song's lyrics. Recently, however, Kiedis has experienced a um, revival in interest. And this is a quote. Although there have been times when I was over under the bridge, I've rediscovered it and how I feel close to it. And it still has power and life and purpose as a song. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he the lifestyle he was living, you know, that he, you know, he had, he'd been sober for a few years when he wrote this poem. Um, but the lifestyle he was living, you know, was extremely dangerous. And, um, you know, I can see how he would feel distance from it, but, um, you know, that, that's neat. It resonates with a lot of people still. The autobiography scar tissue, which I listened to on audible, um, probably last year or so, I don't recall, but, uh, pretty powerful and of course I couldn't stop listening to it even though there were times when I wanted to it, the entire at least at, now looking back on it and at the time I remember feeling gosh this is nothing but he's talking about heroin addiction oh you know non-stop for uh, 500 pages <laughs> however long it was mm -hmm. and of course that's that's how addictions are and that's this time, this song comes at a time after his um, guitarist, his and friend Hillel had overdosed, and um, that was during a really dark period after the Uplift Mofo party plan, when they started to get a little mm -hmm. traction and um, sometimes money, and um, you know success, and uh, addiction or or poor bedfellows, let's say. Right. So unfortunately, I, I guess fortunately for us. Um, Anthony was able to use 
Hillel's death as a as a springboard to kind of begin his own journey of sobriety, and I'm sure it was extremely mm-hmm. difficult. Even though I have no um, heroin experience or addiction or anything like that, and I, I, I hopefully most people <laughs> don't. It's still easy to see that pain in this song, and it's easy to recognize mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. Even though to the general public, it may be easy to relate it to just another love song. Mm-hmm. Well, before we start on the lyrics, I still have facts. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny that you mention um, the autobiography because um, Anthony Kiedis has never disclosed the location of the bridge. Um, and, you know, and this is. Um, this was pretty deep into gang territory, um, you know, from what I've read. You know, he's never revealed, you know, exactly where it is. He would pretend to be like a fiancé of one of the gang members' sisters, you know, just to get in to this area. You know, this is crazy dangerous. Um, he would he would pretend that just to get in so he could, you know, get his fix. But um, let's see, what was his name? Um, writer, autobiography writer, um, Mark Haskell Smith. Um, he says he's concluded based off of, you know, things he knows, what he's heard, that the bridge was actually in MacArthur Park in um, L.A. Um, but this contradicts Kiedis' assertion that the bridge was under a freeway. Um, other possible locations are the Belmont Tunnel, about half a mile from Mar- MacArthur Park, and the overpass where Interstate Highway 10, the Santa Monica Freeway, crosses Hoover Street close to downtown L.A. So that's kind of neat to, um, you know, we've been to L.A. numerous times. It's kind of neat to, um, you know, think about it in terms of an actual physical location. Um, But moving along with facts, um, this song um, topped the charts at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. So this was there um, on that particular list, which is, you know, one of the major um, Billboard lists. This is, um, this was their top, top charting song and it um spent 26 consecutive weeks on that particular chart which was just you know phenomenal and this um record is certified platinum and um you know i mentioned earlier the video we all can you know pretty much close our eyes and see this video you know how it starts with john fushanti and you know the weird shirt and the hat and um but it was uh it was directed by gus van zant who knew um flea from you know, movie he had directed, My Own Private Idaho. Um, so, you know, he just kind of, they got, they brought him on board to, um, to direct the video and he had done the pictures of the recording of this album, you know, at the mansion. And um, uh, just a fun fact, um, John was playing a 1966 Fender Jaguar in the video um, for all you guitar fans out there, you know, it doesn't mean much to me, but. <laughs> Sounds like, just like my guitar. It was <laughs> yeah, just like your guitar. Right, um, I know someone brought you bought you a pretty sweet acoustic Martin that uh, you know sits unused a lot. <laughs> <laughs> At the 1992 Video Music Awards, um, you know this it had this video had been getting huge, you know MTV rotation, and um, it led the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, not just this song, but they led the nominations. Um, you know, best video, best group, best direction. Um, and they actually won under the bridge one for breakthrough video, um, and give it away one for best art direction. Was that the show where at the end they played give it away? And it seems like the entire audience came up onto the stage and they were allowing everyone just to have this huge dance party and people were jumping off. I remember seeing that on TV and thinking, wow, that's so cool. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but, um, you know. Tracks surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot of information you threw out there. Good stuff. (laughs) It is. Well, it sounds like Rick Rubin does it again. I mean, for this song that was almost never a song and, uh, and becomes a piece of Americana history, American music history. Yeah. um, Exactly. He did, you know, anything, he did what a good producer does and, you know, encouraged his artists to, you know, maybe come out of themselves a little bit, come out of their shell and, you know, and, and put themselves out there, which is, you know, extremely hard to do, um, to lay your, your soul bare for everyone to see. You know, and I imagine, you know, it's harder today, but you know, even you know, in the early nineties, it was, it was pretty, pretty hard. Sure. They weren't, um, they weren't like any other band that kind of exploded onto the scene 
And they did. They exploded on the scene, even though they'd been there the, <laughs> kind of the whole time. They right. weren't invited yet. But it's easy. I, I love how you said that John um, intentionally brought the uh, the chords up in you know major chords, I imagine, to to kind of make it a little bit lighter, mm -hmm. a little bit brighter to uh, offset, you know, the deep meaning of some of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like we'd mentioned, this happened at a time, you know, after Hillel's death and um, Anthony was on kind of a lonely road of, of sobriety, you know, when people around him are still using, you know, maybe not heroin, but uh, just in general, I mean, sobriety in his case is all or none. I, I think at the time, mm -hmm. it's easy to for the for uh, a fan, a, a new fan of the Chili Peppers to kind of hear, uh, you know, the chorus and the different parts of the song and and be able to relate it to a, a lost love or something like that, which is kind of the the American rock and roll way. Um, mm -hmm. But that's really not what this song is was originally about. If indeed it ever was a love song, is a love song to the city, and not the city not mm -hmm. being just a place, but a feeling, and a a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Before I get too much into talking about the city of angels, I think it's probably a good time just to go ahead and start the lyrics. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels. Lonely as I am, together we cry. What do you make of uh, the opening lines of this song? Well, I think that, you know, he does a good job of um, personifying the city and you know whether it's you know you're feeling lonely because you know having a heroin addiction is lonely i mean whether you're feeling lonely because of that or or you know you just go out for a walk on your lunch break you know it's like i used to um when i worked in the city i would go out on you know every lunch break and walk around for about half an hour and um you know it kind of felt like I mean, I was going out and having lunch with my friend, you know, I go out and I see those familiar sights and it was very, you know, stress relieving and, um, you know, it's just, it was, you know, it's a beautiful city where we live and, um, you know, it's just, you know, I go out and spend time with that and, you know, I can, I relate to, you know, these lyrics because of, you know, because of that, you know, it's like, he just does a good job personifying it. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think, um, Cities tend to have a personification in general. And um, towns where people grow up and they're used to and they know and they're comfortable and they're safe. And I think a lot of that talks, mm -hmm. this relates to the idea that he feels safe in the city in spite of some of the mm -hmm. dodgy places. It still feels like to me, yeah. the you city know. I live in, the city of angels, it still feels like the city at night in these lyrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I always get that impression too. I drive on the streets cause she's my companion. I walk through the hills cause she knows who I am. She sees my good deeds and she kisses me. picture that's just so easy to see you know I drive through the steep I drive through the streets because she's my companion I walk through the hills because she knows who I am she sees my good deeds and she kisses me Wendy well I never worry now that is a lie I mean like you can just kind of see like you know him driving at night you know just like can't sleep you know things weighing heavy on his mind so you know he just gets in his car and drives and um, you know, if you've ever been to LA, it's a, it's a very drive heavy city, you know, everything's so spread out and, um, you know, it just, it spreads out, you know, forever and ever and ever. So, you know, just to, you know, be it, 
maybe, you know, middle of the night with your windows down because the weather's just fine and, you know, there's not traffic because, you know, it's late and um, you're, you're just driving and seeing, you know, you're with your best friend, you know, which just happens to be, you know, the city, you know, it just, you know, it's a very melancholy picture, but also, you know, kind of almost feels good. Yeah. And he's driving on the streets that he knows because he's always been Mm -hmm. in LA. They represent the Hollywood Hills Mm -hmm. quote from another song of theirs. But, uh, so they're, (laughs) they're on the back roads, the ones that, uh, the freeway people don't drive on as much, but he can find his way around the city and the places where he frequents on the Mm -hmm. back roads. Well, what would be, (laughs) I don't know if there's a back road in LA, but you know what I mean? (laughs) There's country roads in LA. I like lonely as I am, together we cry. Mm -hmm. It's just a a, a kind of interesting paradox, lonely, but the city's there and she cries with him. It makes Mm me, I, I like to think, well, it's because the city's always crying. All he had to do was join in. You know, and also, you know, lonely as I am together, we cry. You know, you don't think about someone, you know, they they had success. You know, they weren't, you know, as, as you know, household as as they are now or they were, you know, in 1993 after all this, you know, hit. But, you know, they did have success and you wouldn't think about someone like that being lonely. You know, you wouldn't, you know, someone who's surrounded with people, it's hard to believe that they're lonely. You know, it's just kind of. Yeah, and that ties in perfectly a with eye opening. I never worry. Now that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, you know, being away from you know that scene, we tend to think, well, you know, oh my gosh, look, they've made it. You know, he must not worry about anything. You know, he has money for everything, you know, that he wants or needs, you know, all his needs are taken care of. He must have a ton of friends, you know, all all the girls, you know, just shows what we know. I think there are times, and I can certainly relate to this, where um, you convince yourself that there's no worry and you tell yourself and you're using positive affirmations and and, and things like that and trying to... um, Tell yourself things are a certain way in the back of your mind, you know, there's still a worry. And I wonder for Anthony, it was that nagging addiction. Okay, I'm not worried. I'm good. Everything's fine now. Mm-hmm. But there it is at nighttime, that nagging addiction. All mm-hmm. of those things come up at night at 3 a.m. <laughs> and instead oh, of sleeping. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about that a city. lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, things you don't tend to worry about you know, during the day because you're busy and you've got 9 million other things going on, you know, at night when it's quiet and everyone's asleep and, you know, you've got nothing else, that's when those things bubble up. So, yeah, I can see, you know, and, you know, once an addict, always an addict, I can see that coming up and, um, and bothering him, you know, in the middle of the night. And, you know, he also, um, you know, talks about, you know, he was in a relationship with an actress, you know, when he was, you know, at the height of his addiction and, you know, she, she gave everything, she could to him, you know, to help him, um, you know, overcome this. And she tried to love him and, um, you know, he just, he wasn't in a place where he could accept that. And, you know, she eventually had to move on. And, you know, some of the songs about the regret of that too. I think the chorus summarizes very well. Let's play it. people have belted that out <laughs> oh probably more of them better than Tell i them just how old did. <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's um it's an easy song to sing and it's an easy song to relate to to be in a place where it's better than it was 
and it's it's a hopeful you know it can be a hopeful kind of chorus mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is definitely you know from a place you know he's looking back and um and i, I think that anyone any human being you know no matter what age you know maybe not babies i don't, I don't know but any human being <laughs> can relate to this you know like think about your worst day and um you know no matter you don't have to have a heroin addiction or depression or anything we've all had really crap days and i mean thinking back on that um especially if you're an overthinker um which i you know i tend to be you know like you know i saw this meme one time it was like um you can't hurt my feelings i'm an overthinker i hurt my own feelings <laughs> you know it's like that's not funny I mean, at all that's me you know perfectly and um you know i'm thinking back you know on you know, some, some really crabby days I've had, you know, I I don't ever want to feel like that again. You know, I don't want to feel like I did, you know, that day. No, you know, I'll do anything to avoid the pain of, of, you know, that again. Yeah. And there's an option. Take me to the place Mm -hmm. I love. Take me all the way. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's a, that it's extreme a little bit this day or that day. There's a lot of in-betweens, mm-hmm. but um, I hope he's just saying that it's just as easy to be in a happy place. What's your, um, what's your place you love? Mm. I don't know. I'm kind of a mountain girl, but I would rather um, be driving around L.A. or walking through those hills than reliving a crappy day. What about Santa Monica? Santa Monica Beach, that's a pretty mm. happy place. Yeah, the pier's pretty good, but, you know, we lived in California, we lived in SoCal, but we also lived in San Francisco, so a lot of my, um, you know, take me to the place I love, you know, it's probably like the beach that was right in front of our house, and, you know, I was, I was journaling um, the other day, and um, I was thinking about how I used to like to walk on the Golden Gate Bridge when it was foggy, and, um, you know, for one, there weren't many tourists there, because you can't see anything when it's foggy, but... You know, I can remember um, the sound of the foghorns. You know, I loved being on the bridge when it's foggy because of that. Um, the sound of those foghorns is like, you know, just so ingrained. You know, it's a definitely a core memory, core memory for me. Um, you know, just it's something I'll never forget. Such a beautiful area. I, mm-hmm. You're right about that beach in San Francisco, even though it wasn't a Beach Boys kind of beach. You know, <laughs> no. it was rocky. And uh, there were cliffs mm-hmm. that were caving in, but there was sand down there, and there was a there was the ocean. Yeah, that was so beautiful yeah. all of the time. It was never quite hot. No, but um, you're right. I spent a I spent a lot of time there, and that is a that is a place I love. Mm-hmm. The ocean would be so loud that you it would it would that would be all you could hear mm-hmm. to a degree where you stopped hearing it. The ocean is awesome at reminding you, uh, putting things in perspective. Yeah, it reminds you of how small you are. Weird. Yeah, it's so majestic. I can't help but think that Anthony must feel similar. Just being this is a California song, California band, and that's kind of what we're talking mm-hmm. about um, a little bit now. Yeah, and you know, and, you know, something about that, you know, is a California band. He's a California native. Um, so like any good native, he probably isn't talking about the ocean. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, you know, people are like, oh, you live in, uh, in LA, you must go to the beach, you know, all the time. Like, oh, I can't tell you the last time I've been to the beach, you know, this is where <laughs> I live my life. You know, people will get so mad at me and like, why haven't you seen, you know, this thing or that thing? I'm like, it's because I live here. You know, I live my life here. I work, you know, it's, I'm not a tourist. So, yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes back to, you know, driving around and, um, you know, maybe seeing some of the seedier side of the city, which is, you know, not hard to find, but. um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, um, it's not about the beach at all. That's, uh, I think we got interjected with our own happy (laughs) places a bit. Um, He's a, he's talking about the city, city of angels. And I love that he never says LA. It says City of mm-hmm. Angels. Or actually, it's a City of Angel. Mm. Right. My lyrics is City of Angels, but... Well, yeah, but um, when you listen, I wonder... You know, he's a little city bit... City uh... of Angels. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
the jury's out on that one. You guys listen to it. Let me know what you think. Oh, something we forgot to talk about is the lyric, she sees my good deeds and she kisses me, Wendy. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I get the, uh, it's easy to see the angel there mm -hmm. in that particular lyric. It's not a very, it's a maudlin angel. Not real happy. Yeah. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah, she sees my good deeds. And, you know, he's, this is all about songs about the loneliness that comes with um, with addiction. Sometimes people see only one side of you, especially, you know, I would imagine, you know, someone who, who's very famous and, you know, party hard, rock star. You know, he probably had quite the reputation that, you know, even years after um, sobriety, you know, still had that reputation just because that's what we think rock stars are. And, you know, so that added to the loneliness. and. You know, he's probably out there, you know, in, in any day, you know, anyone does, you know, lots of good deeds and they go unseen and they go unthanked. And, you know, this, this, uh, you know, the city he loves, she sees him. She might be the only one, this angel, but, um, you know, maybe that's okay. Yeah. It makes me wonder too. I, I, I know there have been times when you feel so crappy about yourself and maybe you're stuck in a rut or something like that. So when you have a good deed, they seem so few and far between that you kind of feel like you deserve some props, even if you're the only yeah. one giving them. Yeah, for sure. You see it because it feels rare. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk about um our favorite parts of the song mm -hmm. our favorite lyric as we get through um some episodes i i had failed to do that this time but i had read online and doing a little bit of research that this first couple lines seems to be a lot of people's favorite part it's hard to believe that there's nobody out there it's hard to believe that i'm all alone mm -hmm. not sure why what do you think um you know this is kind of how I take that. When you're a little kid, you go to the playground or whatever, and you instantly have a best friend because there's, you know, the one other kid there. And you go up to him and you're like, hey, I like dinosaurs. What's your favorite? You know what I mean? Like, but how many times, you know, I've always threatened to be, you know, when I'm at a, a business networking event or something, you know, like I hate small talk. And so I always threaten to go up and, you know, go to that person like, hey, what's your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> um, um, what are your thoughts on death? You know, I mean, like the total Barbie moment. Do you ever think about dying? Um, <laughs> you know, and like you know, people think I'm weird because of that. And but you know, as an adult, it's so hard to find your tribe and make friends. You know, with the internet, it's a little bit easier um, because you know you whatever it is that you're passionate about, um, you can find a group of people that are passionate about the same thing and you guys can go online and talk about it. And, but you know, that's not the same. Um, you know, my everyday life, I don't have, um, you know, a group of people that are passionate about fiesta wear or fountain pens. I mean, those are my two things. And, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to believe that there's no one out there, you know, like it's hard to believe I'm all alone got such a winning personality <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> the lyrics are delivered in a way that makes you think that it's a new realization mm -hmm. or something that was forgotten and relearned it's hard to believe that there's nobody out there and i think that comes from the idea not the idea but the fact that he just lost a really, really good friend, mm -hmm. if not maybe his best friend. And uh, I think when you mentioned death, it caused me to think about this too. That's probably where he's at. That could have just as easily been me. Yeah. And now life is uh, suddenly more fragile. 
this could happen to anybody. As he looks around, it's hard to believe there's nobody out there. Mm -hmm. You don't get attached because it's so temporary. Mm. I'm sure he's worked through a lot of those those feelings and coming to terms with death. But at the time when uh, when that's foremost on your mind and you have a renewed sense of your own mortality, um, it really it, it triggers some interesting responses. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about it from that point of view. You know, you, the people in your life are, you know, I mean, I imagine he's in a lot of, um, you know, recording studios with, you know, session artists, other uh, musicians, he's touring. So his, you know, the people he's around probably live, you know, the stereotypical hard living drugs, alcohol kind of life. And, you know, knowing that your best friend, um, you know, died this way. Yeah, I could see, you know, I never thought about it from that, um, not wanting to make attachments because you're just going to get hurt and um, heartbroken all over again. And why would you do that to yourself? There's lots of other Chili Pepper songs that um, go back to this general theme. And some are written specifically for Hillel, uh, mm -hmm. like My Lovely Man, Knock Me Down. Mm -hmm. You See Me Getting High, Knock Me Down. That was on Mother's Milk just before this release, but just after that time. Um, by the way, the other side, they all have references to this period of time, and I think it it's probably, time does wound heals, I suppose, but this is something that's probably never going to go away. This is part of his life now. Does it wound heals or does it heal wounds? <laughs> Both. Time <laughs> wounds heal. I'm telling you. My feet are so cut up. <laughs> oh gosh should we cut or leave it i think we should leave that <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. i don't ever want to feel like i did that day take me to the place i last bit um i think that to me it's the only real time that you know that he's talking about you know heroin shooting up and even then you know until we started really dissecting this song like i said before this song played everywhere back in the early 90s and um you know it still gets a lot of airplay and i mean i could sing every lyric to you you know just not because it was my favorite song but just because i heard it so much I didn't know it was about heroin until we started doing this. And, um, you know, and it's not, it's not because, obvious. I mean, it, it is not obvious, but it's also, I just didn't think about it. And um, so I think this is the only, only part that really, you know, now that I'm looking at it, it's like, oh, it's where I drew some blood under the bridge, you know, in between each, each line is, it's the choir singing under the bridge. Um, it's where I drew some blood. I couldn't get enough. Forgot about my love. Um, I gave my life away. Yeah. yeah. That says a whole, whole lot yeah. about that, doesn't it? In fact, it doesn't even mention 
under the bridge at any part of the song until the end here. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's not real clear. It's, you know, the, the chorus is kind of like, yeah, like, it's kind of, you know, high pitched. immediately and... evident what they, what they are even saying. Yeah. If it wasn't titled Under the Bridge, mm-hmm. it might be even more uh, misunderstood. Yeah. I like the lines, forgot about my love, mm-hmm. and then I gave my life away. I yeah. mean, I like them because of, they're super powerful. Um, he's real clear about his loves, not as, I mean, in this song, but um, in many other Chili Pepper songs, he has lots of lyrics about things he loves, mostly being his band, his mm-hmm. music, his people. And he forgot all about that. There was nothing more important at the time than the addiction, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he also, you know, references um, in some of the research I did, you know, the romantic relationship he was in and, you know, all the sacrifices she made to try to save him. And, um, you know, we non-addicts tend to look down on people that are and not give enough credit to the fact that, I mean, it is a disease and he couldn't help it. You know, he was... He was so addicted, and so I mean, to heroin in particular is you know crazy addictive, and um, you know he would do anything for that fix, including I mean very risky behaviors, and um, you know just going into some extremely dangerous parts of the city, you know just to just to do this, and you know and the lies he told, and um, yeah, it's very very bleak, very very sad. Yeah, very bleak is a good descriptor gave my life away i mean mm-hmm. coming from hillel's perspective it's absolutely literally um, gave his life away true mm-hmm. yeah literal in his case thankfully he got it back but every time i suspect it was a little more mm-hmm. giving away those things he loves for that one thing mm-hmm. what about that very last line i don't know that i ever really picked it up i knew he was seeing something there at the end but he says here i stay I think that, you know, like he's not literally there anymore, you know, going to that place to get his drugs. Um, but I think that when something was such a huge part of your life for so long, even though you're apart from it now for the better, um, I think that there's a part of you that will always stay there and you will always think about that. Um, yeah. Know. Even prior to that, just the, just the lyrics that sound like just kind of a chorus they're singing oh no oh no i said yeah yeah mm-hmm. so even that says something about the uh the time and the feeling yeah. interesting i hadn't hadn't thought about that from this perspective prior prior to this day either yeah yeah and you know there's all kinds of addictions there's not you know just drugs there's you know of course alcohol shopping eating um gambling um and the people that love you they're going to try and try and try. They're going to say, no, 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 no. Um, and you're just going to say, yeah, because that, that addiction is, is more powerful than anything. And sometimes it's so easy to be the enabler. Mm-hmm. You give in to the other uh, party's addiction because you love them and you don't mm-hmm. want, you want them to have everything, whether it's good for them or not. Yeah. And in this day and time, it's not uncommon with, uh, you know, methamphetamines and things like that to know somebody or be um, close to someone who does have a serious problem. Yeah. I don't know that that's where we meant to go with this, uh, this episode, but <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, as a, as a family member, um, you know, we both know who we're talking about here. It's, um, it's really hard because you're powerless. Yeah, in the show notes, we'll try to include some information that has some links to yeah. helpful sites, For even sure. though I don't know any offhand. A little research that wouldn't hurt me to do. Yeah, you can, you know, you and I can research until until our fingers fall off, but, um, you know, until that person is ready to get help, um, to accept they have a problem, then it's just, um, you know, it's going to fall on deaf ears, but, you know, go ahead and do that research and, and be ready. Because hopefully um, that time will come and, um, you know, the worst won't happen. Dang all the press and stuff. 
Yeah, I know. So <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, you have another reason to be sad when you listen to this song. Mm. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but keep listening to the old album because it, it, yeah. there's lots of other great feelings there, too. And just remember that what I've got, you got to give it to your mama. <laughs> I got to do a little dance and drink a little water. What I got, you got to get it, put it in you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to cut that. <laughs> While we're clowning, though, I wanted to go back to um, last week's uh, or the previous episode Mm -hmm. when we were talking about um, Elton John and the song Your Song. Yeah, you you made a pretty big blunder and we didn't catch it. I did. I blundered and I'm (laughs) sure I've got tons of hate mail about it. Okay, not really. (laughs) It's just me. Thanks for not sitting. (laughs) Just for me and you. (laughs) I've been blowing up your email hate mail every day. Like, you stupid. (laughs) So Deb was talking about um, the beginning of the British invasion mm-hmm. and how um, the Beatles specifically uh, kind of helped pave the way for the uh, on, onslaught that we all appreciate from, from the British invasion and all the great bands that came from that time. And while she was listing off bands that uh, were appropriate, I said, the Ramones. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I kind of like, yeah, I think that was later, but... Uh, it didn't occur to me until I was editing that I'm pretty sure that's wrong. And obviously I was. The Ramones are from New York. But I wanted to be sedated. Oh, yeah, definitely that. But I also I, I wanted I left it in because I wanted to own the mistake, but also because I thought it was fun to talk about why I thought that was the case. Because at one point in my life, I did did kind of assume they were from uh, England. We were talking about the Beatles. When I was a kid, there was a cartoon, the Beatles cartoon. Yeah. And it would uh, it would come on with the song Help, mm-hmm. and they would be running around their animated form with girls chasing them and all that. And, man, I just love that thing. I didn't miss that. As far as I know, I've seen every episode. I, I don't really know when you're a kid, you watch the same one over and over. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was first introduced to the Ramones. Of course, I'd heard of the Ramones, and I even wrote them on my notebook probably right around the chili peppers time but during that time when music's not as accessible sometimes you write things down you don't know what you're writing um just because it's kind of cool and you're in a club and and skaters talk about jfa and even though you never heard any of their songs or minor threat or something like that for me at that time ramones was part of that that group and my first introduction to them was a late night MTV headbangers ball, maybe something like that, where they played rock and roll high school. Keep in mind during this time, I'm listening to Dead Kennedys like on constant rotation and Black Flag exploited, you know, whatever, whatever cassettes I could get my hands on, just the more hardcore punk rock. So then these guys come on, start singing rock, 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 rock and roll high school. I'm like, what in the world? Who are these clowns? <laughs> so it, it just wasn't a comparison. And I was a, a little disappointed at the beginning, although the movie grows on you. And um, I think there was even a part where they were animated. And if not, it's I, I feel like there might be because I was kind of reminded that of that old Beatles cartoon. And I thought it's like the punk rock Beatles. So I think that's where I made <laughs> that connection between the Beatles, the Ramones, and being from Britain, and if that helps to explain my <laughs> my mistake, then there it is. I'll bet to say he's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I love it's the Ramones. Funny. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I, I, I found my way around that, uh, what was essentially just um, short-sightedness and a closed-mindedness that I had uh, <laughs> as, a, as a kid. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, I know more Ramon songs than the average person, no question. And I, I'm, I'm a fan. No matter where they're from. No matter where they're from, even if they're <laughs> from Great Britain or New York. <laughs> That's right. So can I be forgiven or, or not? I think you can be forgiven, but you know, it's not up to me. All right. Well. So, um. What are uh, you said you wouldn't have chosen um, under the bridge if I said 
we can only do one Red Hot Chili Pepper song, what would it be? What's your favorite? Well, gosh, you know, I mean, coming back to this, and there's lots of good reasons to do it. I'm glad we did, and it was the one that brought them to the fore light. And the, this song says a lot. It really does. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's pretty heavy. Um, but, well, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I really like Behind the Sun. I really like um, some of the more um, modern ones, Scar Tissue. Mm-hmm. I like um, Can't Stop. I mean, there's just so much going on in that song. I really love it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Zephyr. Mm-hmm. Good one. Uh, road Trip. Yeah, I really love the bridge in that. Um, what what uh, what about you? Um, you know, you asked me earlier, like, hey, what's your red hot favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper song? I was like, completely blank. And um, you know, I got to thinking about um this morning. You know, I just put on when I was taking um our son to school, put on Red Hot Chili Pepper. You know, this is Red Hot Chili Peppers on Spotify, and um, the song came on, and it's snow. It's the beginning here, and this is why I love this song. It's just got the coolest intro. That's just so cool. I just love the. I just love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Sometimes, sometimes when there's a band that's considered a classic punk band or something like that, that's uh, off the main frame. Once they get once they get popular, their music kind of tames a bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I don't think that's happened with the Chili Peppers. I think they've been true to themselves. No, I think that it's like um, it's one of the things you can count on that you know that every album is going to be consistently good. Um, it's always, you know, they have this a unique sound that's theirs, um, you know, very California, very West Coast, um, you know, so you can listen to Snow um, and be like, was this off their first album? Was it off their most recent album? You know, we're talking a span of what, 30, 40 years. I mean, I, like, God dang, that's I think that's a lot of people really like about this band. Yeah, I think a lot of people when they first got under the bridge and, and this was during the time when you bought the albums, too. You know, I don't mm-hmm. there wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't even an Napster yet, right? Um, no, that wasn't until late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, you could get singles. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people were in for a shock or a little bit of a treat, depending on how you looked at it. When they listened to Blood Sugar Sex Magic, expecting the songs mm-hmm. to be like Under the Bridge, which they are in a way, but in a way, there's mm-hmm. there's some. Uh, it's just cla- classic Red Hot Chili Peppers. So many mm-hmm. good jams there that. Uh, could easily shock yeah it says um i'm looking at wikipedia and it says the b-side i mean there's several lists of it one of them was sold to squeeze oh yeah b-side too um Thanks again for joining the Lyric Lounge. Next time, I think next time, but coming very soon, we're going to be bringing another one of my favorite bands. This is great because I get to do all mm-hmm. my favorite bands, <laughs> which is the Violet Femmes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next week I am traveling um, to New Mexico, and I am going to stick my microphone and headphones in my suitcase and record a very special episode with someone very dear to us. And one of our favorite bands. So look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Until then, remember, if you don't have any rockets, do we have a link in the show notes where you can buy rockets to shoot at the like button? <laughs> oh, God. People are going to think we're so weird. Um, you can like and download the episode. And, you know, it always is helpful to give us um, a five-star rating um, because we want more people to hear um, and hear what we're talking about and, and support us. And to be guests. And to be guests, yes. If you want to be a guest, if you've got a favorite song that you just are dying to talk about, we would love to have you on. Hey, thanks for hanging out at the Lyric Lounge. If you want to be a guest on the show, just pick a song and contact us through the information on the show notes. 
We do what we do at the Lyric Lounge because we love the magic of music. Please support the artists that make it through legitimate distribution channels. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Lyric Lounge.